Hi, thank you for tuning into this short story episode of the Digital Nomad Stories podcast. Over the past months, I've interviewed a lot of digital nomads and I've learned so much from all of them. I wanted to highlight some of the key insights I got from all the interviews released so far. So I decided to release a 10 to 15 minute short story episode every Thursday, in addition to the full interviews that go live every Monday. Hey Nomads! Okay, so today I have a snippet of an interview that was previously released for you and it is a good one. In this interview, I'm talking to Adam Rosen and he knows a lot about entrepreneurship. He had a startup, a tech startup for I think five years before he sold it. And he currently has another business. He started a new business after a while that he runs completely different. He runs it remotely. He travels the world. I follow him on Instagram and he's literally all over the place. Like he's always in a new country sharing about what he does there. So that's also super fun. And in this part of the interview, we go into some really important lessons that he learned as a as an entrepreneur like I said he did the whole like traditional entrepreneurship thing maybe like building a business in the office with a big team and all of that and now he's doing things very differently so I thought this part of the interview is really really interesting if you are a digital nomad or if you want to be a digital nomad starting an online business has probably crossed your mind like ooh, should I be doing that like is that an option for me if you are interested in that online business track and like that side of uh, digital nomadism, then this episode is definitely for you. If you like what Adam tells you at the end about cold emailing, then I highly recommend listening to the full episode because he goes into more of that uh, after this snippet as well. So yeah, enjoy. Can you share Maybe the main lesson that you learned in those in those five years. I know it's difficult, especially because you said there there were many mistakes. But is there one key takeaway from that first company that you built? Yeah, it's a great question. So first, to to one of your earlier points, and I'll I'll answer that question. That's actually one of my biggest hangups I have. One of my biggest frustrations I have with the startup world. And I do a lot of work advising startups and working with small businesses. And one of the biggest problems I have is just how glamorized the startup world is. So when we're having a conversation with a fellow entrepreneur, it's like, how's everything going? Oh, it's great. How's everything going with you? Oh, everything's great. We're trending in the right direction. <laughs> Meanwhile, you look behind you and the house is burning down. That's just the reality of the situation is running a startup, being an entrepreneur. It's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. There's going to be mistakes. Uh, but I wish that we would talk more about our mistakes and not just about these huge wins, which are so few and far between or whatever that saying is. So I wish we'd talk more about the mistakes, not to scare people away, but just to share more of that reality. But the number one lesson that everything kind of boils down to, and we made mistakes with hiring, with leading teams, with building out processes, with pretty much every part of the business, but it all boiled down to one thing. And it's what I take with me as I'm now building my new companies right now is all around product market fit. If you don't have true product market fit, you're, you're building a, a house on a straw foundation. So you need to have that product market fit because if you do have a strong product market fit, that will allow you to get the necessary sales to grow. That will allow you to retain those customers, get more money from those customers. That will allow you to continue flourishing as a company. But until you get product market fit, 
you're 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 building out what what's really uh, a foundation again built off a straw. So that was the number one focus, and that's why everything we do now is how do we get to product market fit as fast as possible. But until we get to product market fit, we're not focused on scale, even though that's what the tech startup world does tell you to do: is scale faster than you're ready to. Mm, very interesting. I didn't expect that advice, but it, yeah, it totally makes sense. How can you? work towards that product market fit? Um, is that doing a lot of market research or is there anything else that you're doing to make sure that there is a good fit? Yeah, so market research, sure, that's great. But honestly, I think do a little bit of market research, but then dive in. It's like you got to dive into the pool to know what the temperature is. I'm not a big believer in like dipping your toes or just looking from the outside and seeing what do you think the temperature is in the pool? No, dive in and then feel what the temperature is. So what I mean by that is start talking to customers. And don't just talk to customers and say, hey, what do you think about this concept? Because most people just want to be nice. They'll say, oh, that's a great idea. But if you say, hey, what do you think about my idea? It's a great idea. Great. Well, it's $99. It's $2,000. Are they willing to take out their checkbook? Yes or no. So that's the first test about product market fit. Do people even want what you're offering? Then the second test is after they buy it once, are they going to buy a second and a third and a fourth time? And then after they buy it a second and a third and a fourth time, do they want to give you more money? Are there, is there a greater opportunity where they want to give you more because you're providing so much value? So I'm a big believer in, you know, screw the, the market research, not fully. You got to do a little bit of that, of course, but dive in and talk to your customers, but don't just talk to your customers to make sure they're taking out their pocketbook. Cause if they're not, then that shows a gap in the, in the product. That is so true. And that is definitely a mistake that I made. I talked to so many people, especially when I started my business and people said, oh yeah, that is awesome. I would love that. But now is not a good time or whatever. And then they didn't actually buy, which I mean, I understand because saying that you want to buy something and then actually buying it <laughs> is different. Yeah. I think this is great advice is basically just seeing this as a one big experiment right? And just seeing what works and what doesn't work and then tweaking the plan as you go. Yeah. You got to test and pivot, test, pivot, test, mm -hmm. pivot. That's the life of an entrepreneur. And if you're not comfortable with testing and pivoting and failing and having people tell you they don't want this, then being an entrepreneur might not be the right place for you. But if you have the stomach to handle that, that is the life of every single startup. I'm sure with all the companies that you've worked on, all the people that you've spoken to through your, your podcast, Every single business is constantly iterating. And if they're not iterating, then that means that someone else is probably going to pass them by because they're innovating faster than they are. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's also important to set realistic expectations for new entrepreneurs because this isn't, I didn't know this. Like I went to business school. I have my MEA. Like I should know things about business and I had no idea about this. I just saw the Instagram famous people that are like, yeah, like earn 10K in two months. And yeah, that was definitely not my journey. I also had to pivot often. Like I made a lot of pivots and a lot of changes in my business and also just figuring out what I wanted to do, not just what the business could do, but also what I wanted to do. Like what is my role in the business? Um, so yeah, I think great advice. Can you tell us more about the business that you're building now? Yeah. So my main focus now was around something that started just as a side hustle. So the thing that we were best at with my tech startup was people would always tell us, and people tell me today, you can't get clients off of cold email. People, email doesn't work. And they're right. Email doesn't work. Cold email doesn't work if you don't know what you're doing. But if you know what you're doing with it, cold email can be a very effective tool. So my tech startup, all those big companies that we got, and we had the biggest customers 
in the world. We had amazing companies. Just about all of them were from cold email outreach because we had no previous experience. And because we didn't have the best, best products, we weren't getting a ton of referrals. Everything was from cold email outreach. So it was what we did exceptionally well. So when, since we acquired that company, I was doing a lot of work advising startups. And one of the startups that uh, I was advising, their CEO asked me to talk to their head of sales. When I talked to their head of sales, she was telling me how uh, she wasn't getting any meetings through her cold email outreach. And she told me a little bit about what she was doing. And I had the conversation with their CEO. I said, hey, I could do this for you if you want me to. I, I see a big gap and I think it could really help. So he said, sure, do it for me. So I talked to my business partner. We said, hey, why don't we try to put something together that can help these guys out? We did it for him. It worked well. Another startup, another startup. And, uh, you know, just continue to grow from there. But it was all just a side hustle. And basically what we do is we send cold emails out on behalf of our startups. We pretend to be them. So anytime you get maybe a spammy looking email in your inbox, actually it doesn't look spammy, but it, it's a mass blast email. So you'll get this mass blast in your inbox. We'll set up the appointment for our clients and they take the sales call and hopefully do what they do best. So we send cold emails on behalf of our customers. Interesting. Really interesting. Yeah, I'm definitely not the cold email expert. Like in my business, we don't really leverage that strategy very well. Working on it. But yeah, um, I think it's really interesting to hear that it does work, but you need a good strategy for it, as probably with anything in business. Like all the strategies, they probably all work. But the question is, can, can you do it? Like, are you skilled to do this? Do you have to upskill on that specific aspect or is there someone else who can help you or maybe it doesn't work for you or you know like that is also the question I think like if you cannot do it like if you hate doing cold email outreach maybe you should hire someone like Adam's company and they can do it for you so that you can still leverage that but you don't have to do it all yourself well the truth is nobody likes doing cold email outreach I don't even like doing cold email outreach and it's my company I'm we're good at it we built a great process in the team but no one wants to see the demoralizing responses that inevitably you're gonna get just like with any marketing. Hey, stop emailing me or unsubscribe. Nobody wants to see that stuff. Nobody wants to be removing people from sequences, set, writing the emails or doing any of that stuff. You wanna do what you love doing, which is sharing what your product does, what your service does and how it can benefit your customer. So no one should be doing cold email outreach. And that's kind of the thing for us is take this off your plate. Frankly, we'll do it better than you could do it anyway and, and let us help you with that. And, and it works. I mean. MasterCard was one of our customers with, uh, with my tech startup. How they became a customer was my business partner sent out a cold email to their CEO, Ajay Banga, who was gracious enough with his time to get on multiple phone calls with my co-founder, but it was all through a cold email. And there was many, many, many examples of that from our company and even the customers we work with. Anybody's accessible through cold email if you can do it right, but it's not easy to do, of course. Yeah, don't spill all your secrets, but do you have one tip for people who are like, mm, maybe I should try out cold email? Yeah, number one thing is short and sweet. Just get to the point. Stop starting emails, especially cold emails. Hi, I hope this email finds you well. Or hi, I hope you are doing well. Like, yes, of course, that's a given, but stop with that. Like, they're just a waste of a valuable line in an email. So my thing is always just short, sweet, and why should they care? Get to the point as quickly as possible. If you look at our emails, they're all five or six lines tops. We don't ever write paragraphs, bulky paragraphs and emails. It's all short, sweet, and to the point because we want to show that we're respectful to their time. And I'll give a bonus hint. You've got to follow up. And that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it very, very much. 
I would appreciate it even more if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts for me. That way, more people can find this podcast, more people can hear the inspiring stories that we're sharing, and the more people we can impact for the better. So thank you so much if you are going to leave a review. I really appreciate you, and I will see you in the next episode.